Hi everyone! I know I missed uploading my second episode last Sunday, and I'm really sorry for that. I did not intend on being inconsistent, but allow me to be honest with you. Last weekend was actually the last day of our second trimester in graduate school, so I was trying to beat the deadline by rushing my school requirements. I was supposed to upload this episode last Tuesday night, but then unfortunately I got sick and I really couldn't think straight. Personally, I do not want to push myself in writing something that's half-heartedly done, especially when it is for the Lord. So I decided to just put it off, but by the grace of God, I'm getting better now, only that I wanted to chop off my nose because I have a very bad cold. Anyway, tonight's episode was inspired from the Netflix film that I rewatched two weekends ago. I had a hangout, so I decided to make an episode about this great man's life in this podcast. Friends, this evening, without further ado, I present to you From Saul to Paul A Story of Loss to Gain. Growing up as a Catholic, I kept on hearing St. Paul's name every time I attended Mass. As a child, I kept on wondering who he was, and uh, I think it was only in fifth grade where I got the chance to watch a theater play entitled Paul and the Echoes of Damascus. It was my first time to really have a concrete idea of what his life was. From persecuting Christians to getting knocked off on his horse after he got hit by a blinding light on his way to Damascus. Which, little did he know, he would be one of the most significant persons next to Jesus Christ in Christian history. But could you imagine that? From being an angry young man, as written in the book of Acts chapter 9 verse 1, he was described as a man who was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. To a man who boldly shared about his faith in Jesus Christ, even though it meant his own demise later on. Thus, in this episode, we will touch on four takeaways of Paul's journey from anger to passion and compassion. Uh, for the sake of those who barely have an idea of the life of Paul the Apostle, I did some little research. He was born in the province of Cilicia as Saul of Tarsus. There's not much that I know about his family background, but one thing is certain, he came from a devout Jewish family. Thus, I was not so surprised that he was one of those who greatly opposed Christianity back then. He was one of those Pharisees, a Jewish religious party that flourished in Palestine, and they were known to be very careful students of the Hebrew Bible. I'm not sure if this fact is going to play so much significance, but Saul of Tarsus described himself as the best Jew and the best Pharisee and in his generation, as stated in Philippians chapter 3 verse 4 to 6. Later on, he began to persecute Christians. He started his mission as a religious terrorist in Jerusalem. Although his intentions for doing such may be unclear, it was certain that it had nothing to do with him being a Pharisee. Okay, so um, just a disclaimer, him persecuting Christians had nothing to do with him being a Pharisee. But as a devout Jew, he was angry at the Jews who transferred from one synagogue to another synagogue. You know, place of worship. 
especially those who accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. To him, it appeared like these Jews were being unfaithful to God. For Saul, there's no such thing as Jesus Christ who died and was risen before the world of Judgment Day. And then one day, he was on his way to Damascus to continue persecuting Christians until there came a light from heaven all around him that knocked him off from his high horse. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he asked, Who are you, Lord? And the voice answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up now and go into the city, and you will be told what you have to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. For though they had heard the voice, but they could see no one. Saul got up from the ground, but even with his eyes wide open, he could see nothing at all, and they had to lead him into Damascus by the hand. For three days he was without his sight and didn't eat or drink. But as it was revealed in Acts chapter 9, it was through Ananias of Damascus why Saul insisted to get water baptized and then regained his eyesight. My friends, this restoring of his eyesight has its physical significance, but more importantly, it has a very strong spiritual metaphor which we will touch in a few. After his conversion, Saul became Paul. And he started working for the ministry by traveling the Mediterranean to spread the good news about Jesus. He created a church for the Gentiles, a term used for non-Jewish believers, and called it Christianity. During his life in the ministry, he was persecuted for several times. However, in his 50s, he was sent to Rome for his final imprisonment before his execution. At that time, the Roman Empire was ruled by Nero, who persecuted Christians and blamed them for the great fire of Rome. However, regardless of the human suffering he went through, he remained working for the Lord by continuing to spread the word of the way in prison. Unfortunately, after two years of his home imprisonment in Rome, he was executed. But this was something he had seen coming. He did not take the verdict of his execution as a loss. Rather, he wrote in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Having heard of St. Paul's story, I'm having hung-ups on his life, and I could not stop reflecting about essential life lessons I learned from his conversion. First is that, we must acknowledge that we all have a Damascus horse. And just like Saul, he was riding on a horse on his way to Damascus in quote-unquote pursuit of God, without knowing that he was actually about to dishonor God. And because of that, God literally knocked him off his high horse. So, my dear friends, what does this tell us? God's act of knocking Saul from his horse is a great representation of his way of preparing Paul for a greater mission to serve him. Like Saul, we all have our own Damascus horse that drive us away from God. It could be arrogance, power, money, anger, lust, self-sufficiency, or anything that is of the flesh and of the world, anything that dishonors God's divine purpose for us. Let me tell you my story. For so many years, I failed to hold on to God's word and way for my life. 
that I decided to follow my own. I decided to follow my own because I did love the world too much and things were really going my way back then. I thought that I just wanted to live the best life. And at that time, I thought that the concept of living the best life was about gathering recognition, worldly acceptance, and external validation from others. I did a lot of things which I thought that I did them all on my own. And because I was in a way full of myself, I have to admit that there were years in my life where I had a hard time acknowledging that I still needed God. I was too consumed with my human abilities until I hit rock bottom in 2018. It felt like there was an influx of unfortunate events that happened to me earlier that year to the point that I got into depression. I remember there was a time I was alone in my dormitory room. I stared at the wall and constantly asked myself, will I still find my way out? It felt like I've reached a dead end already. Luckily, at that time, I was in touch with my aunt who was in Canada. She checked on me and I told her that I'm already struggling and that there were moments that I already wanted to end my life so bad. But I couldn't because I didn't want to hurt my family. 2018 was by far the darkest year of my life, which maybe I'll be sharing in some detail, hopefully one of these days as my testimony. Now, looking back, I could never think that I would be here sharing my testimony for God's goodness. Fast forward to my process of recovery, I then took those dark moments as God's way of humbling me and a reminder that I must not intoxicate myself with a lie that I can do things without turning to Him. And I'm not gonna lie, that process was just so painful. Allow me to quote a paragraph from Boni Salas' excerpt of Journey into Grace. It's easy to start believing that we are in control, especially when things are going our way. We see ourselves as masters of our own fate. We can carelessly glide through life that way, but until when? Until we are brought face to face with a situation, definitely, obviously, and completely out of our control. Our tendency to self-sufficiency can only be overcome when our situation is beyond our sufficiency. Ironically, it is when we are on our knees that we are our strongest, because we acknowledge God as our only true source of strength, and there is no strength mightier than God's. My dear friends, let me ask you, should you humbly acknowledge the Damascus horse that you have right now and come down from it? Or would you just wait for God to knock you off from it? I leave that to you. Second, we need to lose sight to see God's vision for us. As mentioned, Saul's personal encounter with God made him physically blind. He was deprived of physical eyesight. Yes, but the eyes of his love for God and towards others were opened. You see, when times make you feel as if you are living on the edge, are there moments which made it seem like your life is hazy and bleak? Like you can no longer see what happens next. Everything is just so uncertain and worse, you did not fare well with uncertainties. My dear friends, it is in these blinding and dark moments that we are reminded to look deeper within us. 
As Christians, we must learn to live by faith and not by sight. I believe our seasons of darkness and losing sight of the world is an opportune moment for us to look deeply inward. And it is only when we look deeply inward that we start to have this longing for Jesus Christ. And it is only through our deeply rooted relationship with Jesus Christ that we remain unshaken in spite of the unknown and the unseen. Third, let us embrace the new beginnings God has laid before us. Like Saul, he received condemnation and even persecution after his conversion. Regardless of who he was, God was faithful to him and gave him a new beginning to live his life glorifying God. Paul accepted God's anointing for him to spread the good news. You see, it may be hard to start anew or, you know, start living God's divine plan for us, especially if we can still feel the remnants from our past constantly creeping in. But just as the prophet Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 43 verse 18 to 19, he said, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. For I, the Lord, am about to do something brand new. We need to be reminded that once we have fully surrendered ourselves to the Lord, we should let go of the unfavorable identities we have branded ourselves with in the past. So long as we decided to give ourselves to God, then who are we to question this new beginning He has for us, right? But how can we embrace these new beginnings He has laid before us? That is when we decide to put our faith in Him by completely surrendering and trusting God's ways over ours. We open ourselves to the path that sets everything straight. And thus, speaking of faith, Now I come to the last lesson that I learned from Paul's conversion, and that's faith and humility can overcome the five senses. We know for a fact that Paul never got the chance to physically walk with Jesus Christ here on earth. He was not one of Christ's first 12 disciples, but because of his faith and humility, he was so great, in fact, probably even greater than those who walked with Christ. Honestly, as a developing Christian, there are times that I still struggle when it comes to giving all my faith to the Lord. As a person who used to be so obsessed with being in control of situations, I always wanted to see and know how things are going on, whether or not my prayers are being answered through physical evidence in my surroundings. Until one time, I was crying so hard in my room because things were really out of my control, and then my mom told me, If God is facing you right now, I'm sure he would really tell you, Sam, what little faith you have in me. And that conversation alone with my mom pushed me back to the point that I was reminded to put on these blinders and allow God to completely move in my life. Friends, let's go back to what Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians. For we live by faith and not by sight. And faith, as Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 puts it, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Yep, we may still struggle in that aspect, 
that in the midst of these struggles, I hope that we can together yield to his presence with humility so we are always anchored in our faith in him. My dear friends, Paul may have lost a lot from his life, his family, his friends, his title, almost everything. But let us be inspired with what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8. But I gave up those things that were so important to me for Christ. Even more than that, I think of everything as worth nothing, because it is much better to know Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for Him, and I think of these things as worth nothing, so I can have Christ. I felt that that was such a beautiful verse. It got me thinking that perhaps the best gain is when we lose something in exchange for something greater. And how much more if this great exchange is a life well-lived and worth living through Jesus Christ. Friends, may the life of Paul the Apostle serve as an inspiration of boundless hope and grace through Jesus Christ by which I hope and pray that you experience in your lives every day. This is Sam Yu, host and creator of Evening Epiphanies, a Christian podcast where stories of faith and grace through Jesus Christ come together on Sunday nights. See you next Sunday, and may you have a blessed start of the week.